Well, hello, Clergy Chick listeners. Thanks for tuning in. If ever you want to give to that which makes it happen, give to my church, Chapel by the Sea, on Clearwater Beach, Florida. You can text GIVE to 727-222-1336. And as always, this is the Clergy Chick Podcast. My name is Rhonda Blevins. I'm the Clergy Chick. From January the 3rd, 2021, at Chapel by the Sea in Clearwater Beach, Florida, the text is Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, asking, Where is the child who has been born King of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. And they told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for it has been written by the prophet, And you, Bethlehem in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. And then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word, so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out, and there, ahead of them, went the star that they had seen at its rising, until it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then, opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And, having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. Sunday of the new year, I'm going to take a poll. I don't always take polls, but I'm going to take a poll today. How many of you made a New Year's resolution this year? All right, a few of you. Now, let me ask you this. How many of you made a New Year's resolution last year? Raise your hand. All right, a few of you. Keep your hand raised if you kept that New Year's resolution. <laughs> All right, a few of you. Good. All right. So last year I made, you know what the most common New Year's resolution in America is, right? Stop eating French fries. <laughs> That's a terrible resolution. <laughs> lose weight, right? You, you probably guessed that, to lose weight. So last year I made a New Year's resolution to lose weight. And I got a diet coach. And you know what my diet t- coach told me to do? Told me to go to the paint store because I would get thinner there. <laughs> All right, New Year's resolutions. So here's the deal. There's a study that's, that's come out about New Year's resolutions, and it's a few years old now. And it studied those who make New Year's resolutions compared with those who do not. 
Those who make New Year's resolutions from the study, 46% of them were able to keep their New Year's resolutions, which means that more than half of those who make New Year's resolutions did not keep the resolution throughout the year. But there is good news. Only 4% of people who did not make New Year's resolutions were able to meet their goal for that year. So perhaps better to make New Year's resolutions than not if you want to achieve your goals because those who make New Year's resolutions are over 10 times more likely to meet their goals for that year. So maybe you had a New Year's resolution to lose weight or or whatever. I, I don't know. Whatever your New Year's resolution is. It begs the question, what separates those who are able to achieve their goals from those who aren't? What separates those who are able to uh, make their resolutions into fruition from those who cannot? There's a woman, her name is Angela Duckworth, and she has studied this. And the reason she decided to get into this uh, type of study was because she, her first career was, I think her first career was that of a, uh, a teacher. She was a seventh grade math teacher. God bless her. <laughs> and she talked about, you know, it's complicated. By the time you're getting into seventh grade math, it's ratio and, and the area of a parallelogram and, and things like that, right? And so it's, it's starting to get a little bit challenging. And she kept noticing that the kids who were most successful in her classroom weren't always the kids with the brightest IQs. In fact, she was observing that it it was about even. uh, The kids who were successful, about as likely to have high IQs as the kids who were not doing so well. And so it it made her think, what's the difference? What separates the kids who are succeeding in my classroom from those who aren't so much? It's not IQ. What, What is it? And so she went back to school and got her Ph.D. in behavioral psychology to study this very thing. And she got a team, and and her team studied people in different situations. For instance, they studied cadets at um, West Point Military Academy. And they studied what separated the cadets who would succeed at West Point and then those who would drop out. They studied kids in the National Spelling Bee, which kids would succeed in the Spelling Bee and which kids maybe not so much. They studied teachers in their first year at a really difficult, challenging environment in in really hard schools. Studied teachers. Which of those teachers, rookie teachers, would last through the end of the year and which of those teachers would quit or resign? They also studied business people. Which of these salesmen will keep their job and which of them will earn the most money? And what separates the difference? And she determined that it's not IQ, it's not uh, emotional intelligence, it's not good looks, it's not socioeconomic background. You know what the number one thing that separated those who succeed from those who don't? It's grit. Grit. She defines grit this way. She says grit is passion and perseverance for very long-term goals. Grit is having stamina. Grit is sticking with your future day in, day out, not just for the week, not just for the month, but for years, and working really hard to make that future a reality. Grit is living life like it's a marathon, not a sprint. So it's grit, she says. That's what separates the people who succeed in their goals from those who don't. Well, today in our scripture lesson, we come across some pretty gritty guys, some guys with a goal, 
And they work pretty hard to make that goal happen. And we sang a song about him. Jim was like, do I have to sing all the verses of the song? I was like, yeah, because you've got to tell Tell the whole story. You can't leave out any part of it. You've got the gold verse. You've got the frankincense verse. You've got the myrrh verse. You've got to sing it all. But there's a couple of problems with this song. And I'm going to tell you the problems <coughs> with the song. Number one, we don't know if it was three kings. The scripture never tells us how many there were. It just, it, it, it just says wise men, not how many. So that's the first problem. The second problem is they weren't kings. You know what they were? They were astrologers. They were probably Zoroastrian priests who looked to the stars as a part of their religion. So they weren't three, and they weren't kings, and they also weren't what? They weren't from the Orient. You know where they were from? Probably Iran, which is not the Orient last time I checked. That's what, the Middle East? But to be fair, it would be really hard to sing a song about we indeterminate amount of Zoroastrian priests from the Middle East are so, you know, so a little clumpy, right, don't you think? Well, now that I've completely ruined that song for you, let's talk about their story for just a little bit. So in order for them to leave their homeland, probably Iran, to get to the place of Jesus' birth in Bethlehem, it would take them about three months, probably on foot, across desert, rocky arid, craggy land. The journey would be fraught with danger in those times. It would be expensive to go on that kind of journey. And they didn't even have uh, any sort of reason to think that they would actually be successful. It was a dream they had to follow this star, to find this Jewish king, and they're Zoroastrians probably, to find this Jewish king. But it was their dream to go and pay homage to this newborn king of Israel. And not only would they go three months to get there and then maybe find this Christ child, it would take them another three months back to their homeland. And, and although they're admirable, they were not the brightest tools in the shed, at least for one reason that we can see. Because when they get, they come to Jerusalem first and they go to Herod, to say, hey, King Herod, where's the new king being born? The one that's going to replace you? Hello? Do you think that's a smart idea to ask the Roman-appointed king where this new Jewish king would be born? The only thing I can figure is that the wise men must have imagined that the new king would be from Herod's household. Wrong? (laughs) Not at all. And so they made a huge mistake. And just like us on our journeys, sometimes we make huge mistakes. We make big mistakes. And we're naive, and we don't understand the ways of people. And so they trusted Herod when Herod said, when you find out where he is, come back and tell me. So I want to go and pay homage to a new baby king, right? They're naive enough to believe that until a dream convinces them that that's not the smartest idea. And so the scripture tells us that they make plans to go home by another way, a detour, a reroute. You remember when GPS was first coming into our lives? You know, most of us have cell phones, right, with either Google, Google Maps or iPhone map or Waze. Anybody use Waze? We've got that now, but remember what we had before we had that? Anybody have a Garmin or a TomTom? You remember those clunky things? We would set them on the dash. 
I was on a trip once out of town, and it was a conference, and so I was with some other pastor types. And we were trying to find a restaurant, I think, that somebody had recommended. And we were in this big bus. It was not a bus. It was a van together. So there were seven or eight of us in the van. And one of the fellas had a brand-new Garmin. And we were all like, oh, wow, man, how cool is that? You know, and it's telling you, turn left, turn right, you know, in a 1,000 feet, whatever. We were all enthralled with it. We thought it was the most amazing thing. Until it took us into this very seedy part of town and kept landing us in a dead-end part in this seedy part of town. And so we would turn, and it would say rerouting, and and for 15 minutes, and the guy wouldn't turn it off. Rerouting, rerouting, rerouting. You remember when it used to say that? Rerouting, rerouting, rerouting. And we wanted to reroute that Garmin right out the window. When we are on our way and we have goals that we want to accomplish, oftentimes we have to find a reroute. We often have to find a workaround. We have to take a detour. It's not always a straight shot to get to the place that we want to go. And like the wise men, we find a workaround. We find a detour. We find the reroute so that we can persevere. And you know what that takes? Grit. It takes perseverance. But like the wise men, we are those who dream. We are those who imagine a better day. And like the wise men, sometimes we have to take a detour, a reroute. And you and I, we have the grit and the perseverance to do just that. So I have some goals that I've made for the new year. I have some personal goals as well as some goals for the chapel. And I'm just going to be honest. One of my goals, personal goals for this year, is to not catch COVID. And that's kind of a, a sad goal, but it's true. I want to get through 2021 and get the vaccine and not catch COVID. And part of that is selfish because I'm a mess when I get the sniffles. So I really don't want to catch it. Part of it's not selfish, because I want to give it to my family, and I certainly don't want to give it to my church family. And so that's why we've made changes in our choir loft and some things like that. Here's the deal. I really, the only place that I, I go that I could catch COVID is here at church. This is the riskiest thing I do. Isn't that crazy? To go to church being the riskiest thing that I do. And so I'm going to need your help. I'm going to need your help to accomplish this goal. And so my goal for the chapel is not only that I wouldn't catch COVID, but that nobody, nobody would catch COVID because they came to the chapel. And I need your help. I need your help to do that. We've got to stay strong. We've got to stay vigilant. We have to persevere. And I know that some of you watching online haven't been to church since March, and we miss you. Oh, my goodness, how I would love for you to come back. And I get why you're doing it. You're staying safe, and you're staying at home, and that's important. We miss you, but we must persevere, right? It's not going to be that much longer there. There is hope. There is a star guiding us, and if we can just hold on just a little longer, we can get to the dream of having the post-COVID world, whatever that looks like. Winston Churchill said this, if you're going through hell, what? You don't know that one? If you're going through hell, keep going. It's grit, it's perseverance, and so we hold that dream before us of hugging each other again. Oh, I'm going to give some big old bear hugs, of singing together again and not having one person carry the song of a whole congregation. It's out there before us, but we must persevere. We must take the reroute, the detour to get there. 
We're on our way home, and that's what it takes. So here's the more hopeful goal for the chapel. My goal for the chapel every year and all the time is that, I would say it this, by participating in the chapel, I am a more loving version of myself. That's what I would hope for you as you participate in the, in the life and the fellowship of the chapel, that you would become a more loving version of yourself. So that's the more hopeful goal for 2021. And I think we can do that too. Here's what I wish for you for 2021. I wish you grit. I wish you the perseverance to hang in there So happy, gritty New Year, Chapel by the Sea. Thanks for tuning in to the Clergy Chick Podcast. Until next time, keep on shining.